Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cocktail Conversations with Shannon. I'm your host, and I am so excited for this episode. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today, um, and I have a lot of opinions. You guys, the nation's still on fire, and we're still waiting on this election. People are waiting in lines for hours and hours and hours to early vote. We have more mailed-in votes turned in now than we did for all of 2016. And I'm saying all that to say, I still don't know what's going to happen. I don't have a feeling, an inclination, a leaning one way or the other. We've got a good turnout, right? In spite of all of the voter suppression, in spite of all of the opposition that we've had from our government trying to stop people from actively voting. So that's a positive, right? I had to drive, um, my cousin had an appointment in a more rural part of our state. You know, both of us, I grew up in a major city in Florida. I currently live in a major city in Florida. And driving through a more rural part of our state, um, I saw not just signs. Uh, This is the first election, I will say this, and this is what makes me kind of scared. I'm just saying the word. I am used to yard signs every year of my election alive life, right? People have signs in their yards or signs on front of their business or, you know, promoting the person that they are going to vote for. I don't recall a time in my history in which there have been giant flags waving with a particular president's name or huge banners in people's yards and farms it's the the level of, of obsessive enthusiasm is just bizarre. I was a huge Obama fan. I had a yard sign back in 08. I don't even remember. It's been so long now. 2012, we had a yard sign. I had a t-shirt or two. Um, but I am seeing many monuments, flags waving along with Blue Lives Matter flags and... Um, just all sorts of, you know, coinciding it with religion and nationalism. Like, it's a level of obsession that I am unfamiliar with as a human. So that kind of freaks me out because I feel like no matter what happens on November 3rd, somebody's going to act up. I just do. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Hmm. So let's take a break from that drama and dive into some more fun, I hope fun, conversation. Happy birthday to Cardi B. She just turned 28, which I I was like, oh, Cardi B is still young. She's lived a lot of life in a very short amount of time. I keep forgetting that she's not even 30 yet, but uh, Cardi B had a big birthday party, didn't give a damn about social distancing or COVID in Las Vegas. Um, and you know, a number of celebrities and people were there and it looked like a rowdy good time. But in addition to all of the celebrities being there, her husband, estranged husband, separated husband, Offset was there. You know, he has been looking very sad and thrown away on Instagram and, you know, he's been begging for his wife back. And so I guess she invited him for the party. Now, you know, the petty part of me is like, well, it's your birthday girl. Get your little company quote, quote, and send him on. But apparently, you know, he's been begging his way back and begging seems to really work for Cardi. And he surprised her with a Rolls Royce truck and an $8,000 custom car seat for their daughter, Culture. Try saying that three times fast. 
um, in the back seat. She looked happy about her vehicle. And, uh, you know, Offset posted his little picture with his little face talking about, I won. Girl, I'm never going to tell somebody. You marry somebody, you love that person, you want to make it work. And in spite of your better judgment, I understand that Cardi would like to be with the man she married. I just wish Offset would understand that if all you had to do was just not be a jerk. Not cheat, not argue so much that this woman filed for divorce saying, I'm just not going to wait on him to cheat on me. Like that's much cheaper than a Rolls Royce truck. Did you know being a decent husband is less expensive? There are tons of women that are married to men who never have to buy Rolls Royce trucks to get them back because they just don't do that crap in the first place. So I just, God bless Cardi. How about that? Because no matter what. I, I, I understand wanting to be with your husband, wanting to be, wanting to believe this person sees the air of their ways and wants to do right by you because you, you marry him, you want to be with him. I just don't have no hope for Offset, any, none, not at all. I have not at all any hope for Offset to be a good husband, but he's not my husband, it's not my decision. So Rolls Royce trucks, happy birthday. I think you should, you know, my patty tail would have just taken my truck, enjoyed my evening with a with a gentleman caller known as Offset. And I would have drove him back to his place the next day and been like, thank you so much for this birthday surprise. And we would still not be together. Because if I felt strong enough to file for divorce, I probably mean that thing. But that's just me, you know, and, and my petty ways. So... And anyone out here listening, I just want to warn you all that if you have messed up your relationship so badly, you probably, unless you too can afford a Rolls Royce truck, just act right. Don't be like Offset. It's cheaper to act right. It's cheaper to try. You can't afford a Rolls Royce truck. Don't roll up on me with a Honda Element after you've embarrassed me across the nation and act like I should come take you back. It don't work like that. That's no shade to Honda drivers. It's just these are not the same. Okay? So I just want to give everybody that warning while you are out here trying to navigate your love life. Offset may drive you literally in the wrong direction. Don't follow his lead. <laughs> uh, beautiful. I feel like now I talk about the Real Housewives almost every week because they're doing something every week. The beautiful uh, former supermodel, Cynthia Bailey, has married... Uh, her and her fiance Mike Hill had a really big also who gives a damn about COVID sized wedding in Atlanta, Georgia this past weekend. Cynthia is really, really pretty all the time. So I wasn't surprised that she was a really good looking bride. I feel like I'm the only one who liked her wedding dress. Um, the reception dress. I had questions about the stitching, but that's just me being anal retentive. Um, but she's still so stunning. Let me tell you something. I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast again. I don't mind talking about it once more. Mike Hill, TV does not do him justice. That is a good looking man. And when I tell, so I don't know if I talked about this or not, but I'll tell you anyway, because, woo. So in, in January, I was backstage at the Tampa Bay Heritage Fest and Mike Hill was one of the hosts. And so I'm, you know, back there being me and running my mouth as I tend to do wherever I go. And I didn't even know who it was. I just saw a very tall, handsome man kind of walk past me. 
And I just stopped talking. I was like, whoa, where did this one come from? And my friends were like, that's Cynthia's fiance. Listen, TV is not doing this man. I stopped talking. That's how gorgeous this man is in person. Tall, tall, cast a shadow like an oak tree over me. Good looking man. So they got married this week. <laughs> And had a big, beautiful wedding. Um, I was very confused by her bridesmaid choices. She had, look, I said it like Nene. <laughs> bridesmaid choices. <laughs> she had a, it looked like Kenya, Eva, whose hair, I don't know if she's got locks for real or faux locks, but they were all sort of standing on top of her head like a strange Play-Doh sculpture. Why would you do your hair like that for somebody's wedding? Just wear your ponytail down. But so it was uh, Kenya, Eva, Candy Burris, Claudia Jordan, former Real, uh, Housewives of Atlanta member, but, you know, TV host. Uh, her sister, Mallory, who's been on the show before. And then another lady or two that I don't actually know. So those are probably her personal friends. But I was just like, hmm, that's a lot of housewives in one bridal party. So, um, so they had this big, big wedding. Um, everybody's posting pictures. It was a lot of Bravo celebrities there. I saw people from, uh, Real Housewives of Potomac were guests. Uh, you know, our friend Giselle was there in, in something that, you, you know, her outfits are just always going to bring judgment. So Giselle was there. Uh, Tamika Lee from Southern Charm, New Orleans was there. There were a few other reality show folks that, you know, kind of floated in and, so it looked like a nice wedding. It looked like a good time. Sheree, Sheba Sheree was there. Uh, I didn't see Nene. So, you know, that's still a thing. What is really interesting and messy tea, though, is that, first of all, that Bravo, I just found out Bravo did not film her wedding because the camera people and the producers got scared to film with so many people in one space. So, you know, which is like, weird because if you have uh experience watching these shows the entire structure of the show usually will lead up to a big event it'll be a cash trip or something like that and usually if somebody is having something like a wedding that is like a big deal that'll be your season opener or your season finale you know or a big party and so they had their big party their big wedding and the folks who film it were like nah sis I'm not gonna risk getting sick and I don't blame them so maybe we'll get a lot of good uh I hope she hired her own videographer who didn't mind masking up or the people that were there if we collect enough cell phone video I'm sure there were plenty of iPhone 11s there perhaps we can combine all of those and get us a good end of the season finale now where Bravo's cameras were was at her bachelorette trip so they went to the Carolinas. I feel like they went to Charleston for her little girl's getaway for her bachelorette trip. And it was, a you know, members of the cast were there. And there were rumors going around that two of the cast members, you know, folks were drinking, getting a little loose, getting a little turnt. And male strippers were a part of the fun. And there's a rumor. Now, if you've got children or somebody sensitive now, skip on over. Give yourself 10 minutes and come back. Here we go. The rumor is that two of the cast members got 
sexually involved with a stripper that was in attendance. Then they said that the two cast members were Portia Williams and Tanya, Tanya Sam, right? Tanya, Tanya, one of the little sweet Canadian girl. Can I tell you something? I didn't really think it was true. Now, Portia, I thought she'd get dead. You know, I'm judging. She, <laughs> she and her, her ex-fiance are now broken up. They are just co-parenting. So she's single and ready to mingle. She's been protesting. Maybe she needed to let off a little steam. Maybe she needed to have a little fun. Tanya is engaged, has been engaged, has been waiting forever for her man to marry her. I don't think she's going to do anything to mess that up. So I would doubt that she would get involved with some sort of sexual melee with a strange man, right? Uh, now, here's why I didn't really believe it. Not on the strength of anyone's character except for the fact that, and I don't want to stereotype and I don't want to judge. I have never heard of a male stripper that actually wanted to have sex with actual women. Straight, straight male strippers? Are those any good? Do those exist I've never I let me not judge people I'm just saying that was the most surprising unbelievable part so Tanya has made a statement that it was absolutely not true I feel like um Portia said something slick like okay you, you know whatever um and then the actual male stripper has done a video he said listen I was the one at the party I did not have sex with anybody at that party. Everybody was happy when I left, but I was not engaged in any sexual activity, literally, with any of the women at the party. Um, you know, Andy's cameras are going to be there. So if anything goes down, nine times out of ten, somebody would have recorded it. Part of me thinks that this is a clever ruse to get people interested and watching and interested in what's going on and is this a thing and we all got to watch this episode you know because Nini's not there and not saying Nini is the whole show but a lot of people when Nini does not when she's not on the show some people tend to disengage because there's a lot less fights a lot less messiness sometimes so I think I think this is a I think this is a clever ruse to get people watching just in hopes of whatever threesome stripper party fun can be confirmed. I just don't think it happened. Because it like, why are you that stupid? You have cameras everywhere. Cameras everywhere. Why would you, why? That's stupid. So... That's my opinion, though. I could be wrong. The shows could come out and I could be like, well, Tanya, look at you. I could be completely wrong. But in my mind, none of this adds up to something that seems like it would actually happen. Now, I'm not saying nobody had a threesome. I'm not saying nobody didn't do something inappropriate. I'm not saying that, you know, maybe there was some girl on girl action. I don't know because I wasn't there. I just find it very hard to believe that they would literally forget about cameras being there if you are in a actual relationship that you want to keep why would you okay so we've got a lot to look forward to when this show uh kicks off because I definitely want to see Cynthia's wedding on tv even if I did look at it and think "Ooh, honey the covid corona just out there with a cocktail and a two-step it's so many people in one spot but it was a lovely wedding so blessings to them I hope everybody is well and happy and in love. 
So we're going to go ahead and take a short break before we get started. My guest and I, we do a deep dive into talking about what it feels like to be a superwoman. Is this a stereotype that is helping us, harming us? What does it look like in the media? And how can we get free from any and all bondage of expectation and stereotypes? So I want you to take a break. We're going to have a meaty conversation and I'll be right back. my guest and I'm super super excited because uh Katrina and I met she's the type of person that when you first meet her I was just like oh you're mine now I stole her from my cousin he introduced us um and you're just so smart so wonderful so I want everyone to meet Katrina Joe, also known as the poetess introduce yourself tell everyone a little bit about yourself um hi my name is Katrina Joe. I'm known to SAP as SAP to a lot of people on the education side. And if you've ever experienced me on the poetry realm, you would know me as Poetis. So pretty much, depending on what you call me in public, I know who you are and where I met you. <laughs> um, so there's that. And uh, like, uh, like Shannon said, I pretty much, I, I get adopted a lot. So I got adopted. Um, First adopted by her cousin and then her. Well, I guess the rest of the family when we were hanging out. And so she's right. The very first time we met, it was like, oh, girl, hey, cousin. All right, <laughs> my new cousin. I'm here. This was it. Yes, yes. And I wanted Katrina on the show because you are such a conversationalist. I love having conversations with you. And so I was like, okay, it's time for you to be on the show. What do you want to talk about? And you gave me two humdinger kind of topics that I feel like melded in together, right? Um, and that was about, I think so, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about the superwoman syndrome that a lot of black women have, but also what it looks like in the media, in our TV shows, in our consumption of just entertainment. What does that look like? So for everyone listening, what do you think, how do you define the superwoman syndrome? Superwoman syndrome is feeling like you have to keep your S on your chest and you stay in this, this phase of I can do it all, I can have it all, and not even that I can do it all, but I must do it all mm -hmm. and have it all to be fully a woman, especially when you're talking about a black woman. Yeah. We got to, you know, make the money, take care of the money, uh, take care of the house, um, take care of your man. Yeah take care of the children and then the, 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 the pouring back into is kind of a, a negotiable. Yeah. And if you can manage to do all of that, then you might be worthy of like, I don't know, a positive relationship or two. <laughs> if you could do all that, do it all, do it all with a smile and maybe you'll be worthy of love. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you'll get to be the church mother if you live long enough. That part. Oh, and then you'll be respected. You'll get to Look, you get, when you hit 65, 69, you'll be able to eat all, first at all of the, the, the community dinners, and you'll be highly respected. Yeah, uh-huh. Right. But who does that benefit, really? Yeah. Does that benefit us as women, particularly well, as black women? 
And then it gets to a place of does it keep us alive? Let's listen. So let's dive in. Where do you think or how do you think this image, this stereotype presents itself in our shows, in our media, in our entertainment? Well, I mean, okay, I'll go, I'll go back to the to the used to be hero of Olivia Pope, mm-hmm. who was a train wreck, really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Although she was glamorously portrayed, she had awesome gifts. She went through great lengths to have some kind of love that she could never really expose. She could never really have publicly, um, but she had something. Yeah. Going back to the piece of the man. That, better than none, and she had to sacrifice everything over and over and over to do this. It it was just crazy. But yet, for years, when that show first came out, everybody was like, oh, girl, Olivia Pope. And I only watched it a couple times when it really sank in, probably about the third episode that I watched, when I was like, I'm missing it. Yeah, no. Yeah, I was a scandalaholic. And... I think Olivia Pope was interesting because she was the first really deeply flawed black woman that I remember seeing on television. Like, yes, she had herself together professionally. She was tight. She looked this way. She looked that way. But it was her personal life and her interpersonal relationships that were a mess. Like, she had no friends outside of the people that worked with her, not even just her romantic relationships. So... Olivia Pope was aspirational professionally and appearance wise. It was, she had herself together on the outside, but the inside was a hot train wreck. When we, when you brought this topic up, the first person I thought about was Claire Huxtable. Like I distinctly remember, especially as a younger person and you're, you know, maturing and learning what kind of woman to be. I remember dudes going on about how they want a Claire Huxtable. They want a Claire Huxtable. They want a Claire Huxtable. But they never... They never, they never said they were Cliff. Well, see, the thing about Claire, the reason why I don't put her in that realm is because Claire, they, she gave her children chores. Yeah. Claire didn't think for her children. Claire didn't do all the work in the house. Claire didn't feed Cliff every every meal. Claire never really ever cooked. Actually, Claire, Claire might have cooked on a few occasions. When she was in the kitchen and people were coming over. Yeah. So I don't put her on Superwoman. Um, I, I wouldn't put her on Superwoman because she they shared weight. He yeah. took care of the kids. They took care of the kids. He cooked. She cooked. Right. They cooked. That's not really a Superwoman. To me, they were more equally yoked. And I did take offense with the whole, I want to Claire, because none of them were Cliff. <laughs> none of them were the doctor. None of the baby. To be to get a Claire, you gotta be a Cliff, and your your doctor practice, your your medical practice is located where. But see, that's what I'm saying in the sense of that was the aspiration for a lot of sisters, whether they had a cliff or not. And even though, yes, he shared the weight and he did his character. Now, we're not talking about Bill Cosby listeners. We're talking about. Well, we're not. We're not. I'm not going to that at all. Because if we're talking about it, the truth Uh, is none of the people on the show lived up to the stereotypes that they were acting out. Let's be transparent. But on the show, you know, she still was a mother of five, managed to go to law school, managed to make partner, managed to be there for her kids, still had a romantic relationship with her husband. Like, even though the weight was there, like they they shared the weight for a lot of women, that's still more than they can do. Even with a little help, they're still, and looked great while she did it. So it's like, for some people that is 
that superwoman mindset. Like if I'm not doing it, doing it all, doing it at the highest level with a smile, I'm not on my grind. And she spoke Spanish. She did all that and spoke a whole nother language. I'm just sitting but, here but like, como se llama? I don't know, because I think people miss the fact that they are not the first generational in that storyline. He mm. remember he used to bring in the grandparents every now and then. Yes, the grandparents were and her grand and and the grandparents were educated. And the grandparents had that kind of life. Yeah. And they had come from two parent families. So that's still not a superwoman. You've been raised with all of that. And then you so, just did what your parents did. Do you so think that superwoman they weren't struggling at all? Do you think the superwoman stereotype varies based on maybe your upbringing, your background and what it looks like or because I hear what you're saying. I think all of us at different levels of education or income are struggling with that. I do it all, but it looks different for everyone. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Well, yeah, well, well, it hits I'm going to say it hits in a more overt way, depending on those things that you just listed. Yeah. So like if you're poor, example, yeah, like you I struggle struggling. A, I get yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like we're all, yes, you yeah. are, we're aware you're struggling, struggling. If you are maybe of a higher social status or economic status, you may not be worried about meals and dinners, but you're still probably struggling with this. I do everything that mindset of, I can handle it all is still going to be there. It's just going to look maybe prettier, better. It's going to look better. You're going to have better shoes while you're dying. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's basically it. You can afford a better wardrobe while you struggle. Um, you're probably in need of the same therapy as a sister with less money. Hello. Um, because, with high-powered jobs comes high-powered stress, and even in the middle. I mean, right now, I'm, I don't consider teaching a high-powered job, although technically we control the world. I say it like that. Because over my you years control of the teaching, next I've taught enough people. Mm-hmm. Girl, I've taught enough people at this point, though. Like, you know, people say, oh, I don't know where I would get this, or I don't know where i get that. I can put something out on my, my Facebook page post, and the now-grown people that have real jobs and real careers come to my rescue or yeah. take care of me, if you will. So it, it there's a lot to that, to a, to a degree. And now I'll use just the teaching world right now in a, in a pandemic that, mm-hmm. you know, our governor refuses to acknowledge. Hello. Um, we're back in these classrooms with people's children, some of who just had to send them to school because, like, that was the only option. Yeah, they had to go to work. And I get that. Yeah. They had to go to work. So here we are pretending, at least for the kids, at least I do. You know, I'm all happy and smiles when my students come in. You know, I don't panic in front of them. Right. But inside your mind, you're going through a lot. Now, if you put your work on top of the fact that you have your own child, because I got, I have, you know, I have a daughter. Yeah. And then you got a household to take care of. And then in my case, you know, my mom is um, seventy-eight. Now I don't take care of her because she, she really lives her life. But <laughs> we are, girl. Listen, my she's a whole other, she a whole show by herself. But the reality <laughs> is, I'm the only sibling living here. Right. So when it does come to like taking care of and you know the things that 
just at, after it's so nice, they just don't want to deal with. Right, you don't want to put that person. I have at to risk. be able to be healthy. Yeah. To go to her house. Yeah. So now I've got all these layers going on. Right. And the thing, and society would really dig it if I would do all of that and look perfect all the time. Yeah. And then I got to deal with a man. If I won't, then I got to deal with a man who may or may not meet my work. Right. But I'm supposed to accept that from him because he's I am. Man. Because he's a man and the world is harder for men. Uh, you know, so... And I'm not gonna say that black men don't have a heart. That'd be that'd be crazy. Yeah. Um, but we too, as Brianna Taylor, life taking has seen. We too we have are it struggling too. here. Yeah, we have it hard too. And it just it just we never ever get there to that balance of everyone needs to be taken care of and nobody can carry this weight. Mm -hmm. So sisters are around here like I'm gonna carry this weight because I can. And then you got the sisters. We call them pick. Uh, well, my one of my poetry you nieces. Them pick oh yeah, we call them pick me's. Don't worry. Yeah, pick me's. Oh y'all call them pick me. Oh okay. yeah, the pick me's. I'm like, how are they gonna do this forever? I don't know. Their whole thing is they're gonna do all this stuff until they can retire on the job they're on and the children can move out, and they don't realize it, but they still gonna be doing the same thing. Until they're that's worn surviving out. to me. Until they're worn out. And that's why I was saying this superwoman mindset, it looks different for everybody, but it's still the same sort of heart underneath it that like that I have to earn my existence by sacrificing myself Everything. for everybody. And it, and it looks different no matter your economic level, but it starts to kind of come out the same. I was reading... Um, an article, and I was meant to listen to the podcast, but I only got to read through the article, and this lady was saying that um, there are some women who, when we're talking about that superwoman syndrome, and she wrote a book, and so an excerpt of her book was that there are some women who are in relationships with or have children with men who are in prison, and at that point, they had to pay good money for these phone calls between their man and that child. So the lady literally had to tell her, her children's father, can you please write? They're old enough to read. I can't afford these calls. And wow. it was just, you know, that, that sacrifice of let me nicely ask you to reach out to your kids in a way that doesn't make me go broke. Can you only call once every like two weeks? Cause I can't afford it. That still putting herself, you know, this person has made whatever decision they made to go to prison. And that's not a, in this case, he made his decisions to go to prison. And and she's still trying to help him facilitate a relationship with his kid to the point of maybe financially her own detriment. And it's like, wow. Yeah. You know? And it's, well, you know what? It, it's amazing because for those of us who have reached the place of uh, understanding the power of therapy, because mm. like, I, I firmly believe, yes, I, I believe in God. I believe I know the grounding that comes to me because of my faith. Mm -hmm. And I believe he gave us therapy as a tool. Yeah. And there's a place where you have to deal with all the stuff. And now the, this, this, well, I guess this does goes back, goes back to my mom. My mom is here. My father passed in 2005. Mm -hmm. um, so now what is this? Two, with 20. Yeah. In these 15 years, she's been very, we have, you know, conversations. We friends now. <laughs> I say it like that. We friends Got now. It. You know, that's my homegirl. And 
So she's very honest about the struggles of how relationships worked mm-hmm. and how she made things work and how my father and her made things work for 35 years. Right. Um, and she's like, at a point, she says, I get it why women don't stay with men now like they used to. She yeah. said they have the option. She said, and now, she said, you couldn't tell me to tell a woman to stay somewhere with a man in this day and age ever. Yeah. Because she also, like, <laughs> our relatives, our friends are always like, your mom just never dated anybody. Oh, she said she was going, I, I, I tell people, she said she was only doing that one time. <laughs> These last 15 years. <laughs> she said she is good. She said Joe left her in a position where she could just live and she will not be taking care of another man. I have no. noticed that a lot, of my our, a lot of our elder ladies, once they are divorced, even they, if they had great marriages, once they are, are yeah. no longer married, they're like, I'm not doing that again. It's not, <laughs> we can go out. We can have dinner. I love to have a friend to talk to. That's her thing. Yeah. If you want to talk to her, if y'all just want to talk, you can call her. Listen. But if you go in any other direction, I just like want to look like, make a bond or something, but you're not moving no, no. in. You're not moving in. They'll never be that. She she told me that. Because I was like, you know, I'd be okay with She's like, oh, well, you ain't got to worry about being okay with it, though. That's very funny. She but the opposite happens. The opposite happens when when the wife passes and the man is there. The man, are, they're like, I need a wife oh, now. God. Like, I don't know how to feed myself. I don't know how to cook. Yeah, I have no food. My house yeah, is filthy. I have no clothes. I need a woman in this house ASAP. Like, it's like, oh, okay. They need us. Because well, they're not raised to be Superman. No. They're not. They're not. They're not, they're not even... Given that as a goal, and like through my male friends that I have, I'm learning that a lot of them actually want to be that support for women, women, and they want to be that one woman man. And along the way, their older, you know, counterparts have told them, "Hey, don't settle down with one man. Yeah, I mean, one woman. Don't don't get into a relationship." In the process of doing that, they destroy what was their natural inclination. Yeah, for one woman. You haven't trained them the way women are trained literally from birth. Here's a baby doll. Here's your fake kitchen. Uh, Here's some princess movies so you see what a wedding is going to look like. And so from your birth, you are trained that this is not only what you should be doing, it should be your, your biggest desire, your biggest goal. And boys are not getting any of that. Any of that. And then when they get a certain nope. age and they might want to have a girlfriend, like I'll never forget. And now we know the backstory of this. But I remember like years and years and years ago when I was like a teenager. So I was at the point of dating and I remember Ed, we were watching like Eddie Long's church service. Um, you, we know how that ended. Um, but I remember him saying that one of his teen mentors had broken up with a girl. And he, and he said this in front of the pulpit. I was like, what are you crying over a girl for? Like, you're too young to like, why are your feelings all over this girl? And even as a teen, I was like, oh. Why wouldn't he have wow. feelings for her? <laughs> like his little heart was broken. Like he's not wrong for liking someone and being sad that it broke up. But like, Ed, like Eddie Long, like literally shamed this boy from the pulpit for actually liking a woman. And now we know that that was probably a part of like his grooming for a sexual molestation. Yeah, he was preparing him. Yeah, yeah. But that he also goes back him. into what you were saying. Like the boys are not taught to be superhuman. They're taught that you're just a you're a human and you're gonna do what you can do. 
And and that's okay. okay. And do as much of that as you can do. Hello. And then if 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 she's right, she will keep her nose to the to the fire and she'll keep working. And she'll still stay focused. And she will keep herself as pure as possible for you. Yeah. Who is going to bring her everything. Now that that I I used to be a youth pastor. I was uh, years listen, ago. Go ahead and tell me about it because I was gonna ask how much you think the church contributes to this additional pressure for superwomanhood, particularly the black church. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you my, my, okay. The church where I actually worked, we were the renegades of the area. Okay. Let me start there because our pastor had two daughters and his whole thing was he didn't want to be one of the first pastors in the area to go to prison because he would <laughs> with no problem about his daughters. And so he allowed us to bring in um, not necessarily abstinence teaching, but teaching about how soul ties work for both of them. Like gender, actually, like, let's talk about both genders, not just one person. Correct. Receiving all of the problems. We had to experiment everything because it's going to go both ways. The problems are going to manifest differently, but when you have an oversexed kid, male or female, having a realistic relationship after that is very hard. Yeah. Because it's so jaded by mm. so many things that they've experienced, things that should have been new discovery. Like, wait, pause. I, I'll, I'll bring up this, this example that I've, I always give. When you get married, right? Yeah. Or when you're in a new relationship, that first couple of years is supposed to be the honeymoon phase. Yeah. But the way society has it set up, People go through the honeymoon phases years before they actually get married. So when they get married, all the bells and whistles and things that are supposed to be new in discovery, you discover them already. So then that seven-year itch where you're supposed to just take it up a notch, y'all already up and out the notches. Yeah, that makes sense. As a couple. Because I pick on myself. We dated a while. So our first year of marriage was like our seventh year of being a couple. (laughs) correct correct see but then too if you guys had gotten married like a year after you met people would have been like girl you sure we don't count people would have been like yeah that makes sense for us because we've known each other for so long we don't count no i mean i met you yeah you say that because we all love y'all and stuff but i don't know well no well because marcella married him well because my husband i've known each other since we were in kindergarten Oh, that's right. You guys, you guys grew up together. Okay. Yeah. So whenever we got but married, for nobody, a, the average person, yeah, a person that just yeah. met after a year, we'd all be like, oh, okay, all right. Well, you sure? <laughs> we'd be quite. We don't go to the wedding, but you know we're gonna be thinking in the back of our head, this is not gonna last. You know we thinking it because yeah. that's just how we've been programmed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've, we've been programmed that, like, uh-uh, this is going to say even real. They have been going to spend all this money. Well, but you know what? It goes back into okay. we don't trust. If it's too good, it's hard to trust it. If it's too easy, it's hard to trust it. Because you got to suffer first, right? You got to suffer first. And then if something does go wrong, we look at that, particularly the woman, and say, well, fool, you should have known better. He was moving too fast. He was too nice. He was too wonderful. You should have known something was wrong. 
So, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, we're going to come back and punish you for it either way. That part. So now add to your superpowers telekinesis. Oh, yeah. I mean, we kind of got a a smidge of it anyway. We got a smidge of it with intuition, but not enough that we should be feeling like it is our responsibility to know ahead of time that somebody's going to do something to you. That part. Or that we would start to think negatively. Like, we, our spidey senses have got to be on 24-7. Mm. You can't, which puts you at a place then where even when good things come sometimes. You don't trust it. You can't really trust it because, yeah, you know, the devil wears a blue dress type vibe is happening. Yeah. No. When you do. I went through, especially when I was in the midst of, like, the worst part of my caregiving, I would have like a good weekend or a good time or a good week. And instead of me being like, oh, I'm so glad that this week was great. In my mind, I was like, hell is coming because I, d- I never get to have a good week without paying for it. And it was like, I was always anticipating a problem because that's the pattern that had sort of started to happen. So I think for a lot of us that happens in other areas of our lives in which we have to become hypervigilant in order to protect ourselves, in order to not have weakness, in order to, to be smarter than, you know, this thing or that situation, we never get to be at complete rest and stasis in ourselves because we're always anticipating, okay, now what's the next hurdle I have to jump over? Exactly. And, 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 and you can't just do it for yourself. That's the other part. Mm. We don't get to just even do that. Not even for yourself. You got to do it for everybody involved in your world. Yeah. So you got to do it for the man that's in your world. You got to do it for your child. You got to do it for other people who need to feel, who need to feel comfortable. So you got to be okay. Real or imagined. You don't get to cry. Because they need to feel comfortable. Yeah. Mm -mm. Because it makes, it makes the other person freak out. You don't get to be down because there's people that need you to stand up. So, yeah. That's... See, and that's... I just recently really... Re- I knew that, but I think I just recently um, accepted that. Because, like, when I'm in a real low place, I really can't guarantee who I could actually call. I mean, aside from my homegirl. Tell my mama when I say that. And I got another. Um, my homegirl, I can call her to a degree because there are some things she can't understand about new school living just because, you know, this is not their era um, of life like this, like all out. She thinks, she thinks and quite accurately that many of us are just nuts. I think that's um, a mama thing. I don't know if I think it's just a generational difference. When you're past something, sometimes it's like, what? Why, don't, why does your brain not work? She says she just feels that there, you are set to be operating in certain levels in certain generations. Yeah, I so think that's what that it is. She was out in the world doing her thing. Yeah, but right now, she's that's not where she is. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's more generational, so, not necessarily like, because even now, like when when like teenagers and things will come up and want to ask me about things, I'm just like, why do you think like that? Like, I generally don't know. <laughs> like, I just can't process it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know what it is? I think because I never get to leave teenage world, you know? Gotcha. Because it's just, uh, that's, that's my, that's the gig. I never leave it. 
Yeah. So I'm kind of always current, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. In it. And so for that, it does, that doesn't really, that's not really the deal for me. Yeah. I, for me, I, I think I'm intergenerational because that's the, that's the, my mission or that's the task I've been given. Yeah. But yeah. So it, it but trying to like call somebody, like I'm fortunate that I have a therapist who's a good friend. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I am the friend that they call. Mm. And so because I'm the friend that they call, calling somebody else and actually, you know, necessarily getting what I need is hard. Yeah. Because I'm expected to be that way. And I've been expected to be that way so many years now. At this point, it's hard for, to break that mold with other people. What like, happens hey, if you this? don't meet don't someone's you? expectation, though? What happens if you say, listen, Correct. what happens then? Well, for some of them, I don't see them for a while and then we'll catch up later. Mm. And that's a hurtful thing. That's a real, it's a real hurtful thing, I, I must admit. Um, I've had time to really sit in that since, you know, we've been, we were home for eight months. Um, it is a very, very hurting place when you realize, like, when other people have problems, they can call you. And when you have problems, you got to pay a therapist to talk to somebody. Hmm. Because there's not really a listening ear because you're expected to, again, be superwoman. Yeah. Which is how I've gotten on this soapbox, which I will probably be on for a long time. Because in the process of me receiving that, I got really, really sick over quarantine. Mm. Um, in my mind, I was like, well, maybe I'm old enough to be in menopause. But the reality is my family on both sides, they to me, I feel like they age slow. Kind yeah, of. yeah. So it wasn't really, no, that shouldn't have been the thing. Then there was a point where I had to have a biopsy because they weren't really sure what was wrong. And through this, you know who held my hand? Nobody. My mom was here. Mm. Because they're everybody else, for everybody else, I'm the one they call. And it was in that situation that I was like, you know what? I am not a superwoman. And I really, really, really got to get a handle on trying to be all things all the time. Yeah. Because it's not healthy. And then as I began to get my health and strength back together and, you know, we figured out what was wrong, it was like, girl, you know what? I can control this. I will never put myself in this position again. Yeah. Yeah. So now there are no's. And no, I can't make it. And no, you know, I'm passing on some phone calls and even some texts sometimes. Yeah. Because it's like, yo, when you keep giving out, even if it's just conversation. Right. When you are in a struggle point, what are you going to do? Hmm. And here's the, here's the, here's the, and here's here, just to, to widen the net of that. Even if you're in a healthy marriage, healthy relationship, there are going to be some things that the man just don't, your, your other half don't understand. Yeah. And can't do anything about it. Now, if you do everything in that relationship that makes it steady, when you are unsteady, what's going to happen? Hmm. That's actually a very good point because particularly as a as a married woman, as soon as you get engaged, you join the what all those premarital counseling and marriage ministry and all these things, and you get this litany of things that you should be doing, should be doing, should be doing for your marriage. And that's well and good when you're healthy, when you're well in times of, of, of stasis, right? 
but we know right and just like any then this is any relationship but particularly when you're in a romantic relationship that sometimes life makes it hard for you to do some of the things that you would normally do to maintain the fun or the joy of your relationship if you're having health problems you may not be getting it in and having sex all the time that's just what it is either one of you may be struggling with health and not able to perform in that way. Um, if you're having immense amounts of problems at your job and you have to be there more than normal, you don't get to come home and cook dinner and do all these things that stereotypically we say you need to do in a marriage. And the question is, is your partner going to be able to stand up and support you as you have to lean for a while? But we don't usually talk about it like that. We tell women in particular and I'm assuming men as well, but but women in particular get that message of you better try harder because if you don't, some other woman will. And if you don't figure out a way Girl, to do this, we're going to all look at you. If, you know, if you, you know, I, I complain all the time because I'm always like trying to tidy up the house, tidy up the house. My husband's like, chill. You know, we live here. It's a quarantine. Ain't nobody visiting us. And <laughs> I'm like, because... <laughs> If you if somebody comes to this house and it's filthy, nobody's gonna look at you. Nobody's gonna look and say, "Man, her husband is dirtying up her house." What they're gonna say is, "Why can't she keep it tidy enough?" Like if I am literally picking up socks all day long, nobody's gonna. They'll laugh. Boy, he's hard to keep up with, isn't he? But nobody's gonna look at him and judge his worth as a husband by the caliber of our home. So much is tied into small things. Are tied into what kind of woman are you to such a high degree that yes, sometimes there's a magnifying of, of that sort of stuff. And if your partner is like mine, who's like, go chill out somewhere, then you're fine. But some people have partners that are going to look at them and say, Oh, you're, you're depressed and you, you know, are struggling at work and you're dealing with this and doing that, but you can't, you can't let home fall. Like some people's husbands are, or partners, I should say, are not giving in grace at all. And so that adds to that component of, okay, I need to do more, I need to be more, I need to, because if I don't, here comes another woman, she'll come and take my place, and blah, 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 blah. Like, definitely Absolutely. adds to Definitely adds to Never, we have to get, we have to get beyond that. And here's the thing, I, I received the fact that when, a lot of times, or at least, okay, because I was married for 12 years, when you go into relationship one way and then things can't be that way anymore mm-hmm. because you spent a great amount of time not being human and realistic. Can you even get mad when it's, when it's switched up and he can't deal? Mm. You, you spent a whole lot of time creating this, this world. Now it's one thing if that's your natural inclination, but uh, I always tell Corey all the time, I'm like any man who's come to for me for the pygmy, uh, yeah, don't. Yeah. You know what my whole attitude is? I work for, I can pay the maid, girl. That's what I do. <laughs> but that's a, that's a big step, <laughs> though. That's a big step in your, it, because a lot of women are literally believing that you're lazy if you need help. Like, I, I and I wanted to bring this up because I saw it on, um, I think I saw it on Facebook and Twitter, but um, it's originally a tweet where uh, this woman, I guess her name is, Gloria Amru says, uh, my therapist said something in our last session that I couldn't get out of my head, 
black women often don't recognize that they're struggling with depression or anxiety. Instead, they think they're failing. Yes. Yeah. They think they're failing. So rather than seeing the signs of something deeper that they may need help, there's, there's never been room for us to have depression. There's never, we have it. But we're always told right. to push harder. Nobody has time for it, though. Try harder. Nobody has time for it. Pray harder. Just harder, harder. And 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 there's there's no grace for hey, you're a little down, huh? You just no, you can't do that well can't. at work. Okay, no, you're struggling. Got it. So yeah, we 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 have not given ourselves grace in the process either. We've told ourselves and each other that you should not have uh, any need for any struggles. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, my whole thing was I only have one kid, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm single. So, right, I should be able to take care of all this stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, and poetry becomes naturally, so it's like it's not that hard. I mean, I know people that actually go to two jobs versus doing one at their house. And then, right. you know, all these things that I'm telling myself to, to keep up with, all these other things that I should be able to do, and, well, the world thinks I should be able to do, when the reality is I, I really just had to, I I called, I have another coworker. This is how I got to the, to the, to the, um, to the housekeeper. Right. I have another coworker who is single with no kids. And I was like, man, I just wish I could find a good, House clean. I don't remember how we got to that conversation. She was like, oh, girl, I got two numbers for you. And I was like, oh, you have somebody come clean your house? And I know that her, I have a condo, a, a large one, but I know she has like, she, you know, regular one bedroom, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but she's on a lot of boards. She does a lot of things too. And right. she's like, girl, I had to take something off the table. Mm. So while we were out, as I was finding myself again, just so you know, like for people like, I shouldn't be finding myself at this age. You're going to be finding yourself over and over again because you're going to keep changing and evolving. Girl. Because um, I felt, I feel guilty about that every day. Like I'm at this big age, shouldn't I be, you know, again, back to the superwoman mindset. I should be at this point. I should be doing this. Shouldn't I be here? You know, shouldn't I be there? You know, you just compare where you thought you'd be. Not even what, what other people are doing, where you thought you'd be at a certain doing point. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not it's not real, not if not if, not if you're sane, it's not. Yeah. If your sanity isn't checked, no. But the guilt is still it's there. It's absolutely not. In check and calling your name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's calling your name. Yeah. But the guilt is still there. And it, it's the first time she came, it was like a weight had been lifted from me. Because I had all these things I wanted to do. Because I actually moved during COVID. Oof. There's that. That did not help my mental state at all. Right. And had my kitchen totally gutted and redone. Oof. Yeah. See? So I made I did. I did all the things you should never, ever do. Yeah. In a situation like that. Um, she came the one day... And it was like a cloud had been lifted. Yeah. Actually, and she didn't get to finish because I moved in and basically they came in and put the stuff down in my house and left it. And it was like tons of stuff because I had a house before this. Right. And we had been living there for five years. And you know how you accumulate things. Yes. And I couldn't find anything, really. 
and I didn't have the will or the want to go through it. It was just the whole thing. And every time I would sit in my living room, I would just sit and just look at the face. Yeah. Because I should be able to do this. Because then I'm watching people like, girl, we moved in last week and we got almost all these boxes, you know. Yeah, so you're starting to feel. And this is not my life. Guilty or what's yeah, wrong with I'm me? Yeah, I'm comparing now. myself. Yeah. Because she, she, she's got this, she's got that. And they're doing this, they're going that. Right, but what and you don't know is that it's easy to unpack unpack boxes if you're avoiding something else I'm unpacking these boxes now so I don't argue with my kids who are kind of acting crazy right now I'm unpacking I can unpack a whole house right I can unpack a whole house so I don't have to think about this doctor's test that I'm waiting on results from because there's a price for one thing for what you do one way right yes you're not doing something else yes that's a visual that manifestation is, of, oh, I look like I'm doing stuff. I look like I've got myself together. But at the same time, that may not be the case. At all. You know, um, there's a, a good pastor. Uh, oh, I can't remember his name right now. But he, we used to call him for revivals a lot. And he used to say, you're looking at the Mercedes they're driving and don't know that every time they pull into the parking lot, they're thinking, Lord, help us mercy these bills. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that stuck with me. But yeah. it didn't stick with me in a real way till recently. Yeah. I don't know the cost of that that relationship. Or like that woman who always looks together. Like, I start talking to my friends about their, uh, uh, what you call it, the bundles and how much money they spend in bundles. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I'm a I'm a single lady, and my daughter wanted a, a six uh, Apple Watch, right? Yeah. So these women, or and that's not everybody. Before you get any calls on this post about saying <laughs> every woman with a weave, no ma'am. No, cause I'm that's a weave wearer, so I. Everyone who doesn't you know, know me, I love a weave. Carry on, okay. <laughs> okay, but I also know some where you know. Uh, credit is a real slippery slope and y'all barely can do everything that you yeah. look like you're doing. Yeah. Whereas you could cut out some of that, breathe, and and even if you're saying, well, I got a man who pays for it, then you pay for it through him. Same thing. Especially if he's not your husband, honey. Yeah. It ain't free. You got to keep up some things to make him keep up that hair. Or the other way around, keeping up that hair to keep up with him. Because that's another thing. For some people, appearance is a part of their their stock, their status. Their, their Being the person that has it all together is part of that superwoman thing. Like, no, you may not take me as seriously. Maybe I'm an attorney. I got to look this way. I got to look that way. If I let my hair slip a moment, I don't get the end of hearing people's mouths about it. You know, there are some sisters who really get, or in industries or even families, in which they don't get to rest. Girl. Mm-mm. Because they, everybody's weighing in. Everybody's weighing in. I'm so glad I was weird as a child. I was <laughs> weird as a child. <clears throat> I was that cousin. Because I was artsy, but we didn't know what artsy was. You're talking about the 70s. We didn't know what artsy was. And they just knew I was different from everybody else. My interests were different. My conversation was different. And so, you know, my mother might send me. I went to private school, but on picture day, you get to wear your own clothes. Oh, that's so nice. she would send me a nice outfit, but then I'm always gonna have some kind of accessory like a beret or something that's <laughs> gonna come home exactly not like she sent me. And she was like, "I used to be so mad almost every year that your pictures came in." 
because you would go and do something other than what she sent. Or, I like, I never had guest jeans, any jeans that had name brands because I was going to paint them or bleach them. Oh, no, we're not spending money. So there's no point. <laughs> no, we're not spending no money. There's no point in that. Um, you know, I, the, the, and because I was already weird, checking me now was difficult. However, when I worked for the church at first, I had, uh, now I have my locks cut in a shortcut, but I had long locks then. Yeah. And my hair was a flaming red kind of color. Yeah. Like my personality. Because I had been poetic for five years before that. So I'd never really worked for anybody. Mm-hmm. Like I had to work for you. Like that was never a thing. Right. Um, I didn't do that till I was in mid-30s. Right. So I had to do that. So I go there and my loctician goes, okay, we're going to dye your hair. I'm going to put a darker color in your hair right now. I said, why? She said, because I need you to keep this. I want you to help you keep your job. And I'm like, what? The pastor knows that I look like he hired me. Um, But I let her do it. And I want to say maybe the next week, in spite of that, I wouldn't wear dresses. I wouldn't wear what preachers' wives were expected to wear. Right. I wouldn't. Um, so I go to the pastor, and I'm like, yo, this is what they're bringing to me. And I acquiesce one Sunday, and I wear the whole white thing for um, communion. Yeah, first the Sunday. Primarily, the kids primarily sit in the, what is that, the balcony area. Mm-hmm. And so when I was up there, when church ended, they raced to the front because they were like, oh, they were like, oh, well, Miss Holder, I went by Miss Holder then. We just knew that you had on pants because we knew you would not dress like them. <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't. And even my pastor who, you know, like I said, he knows what I look like. He hired me. When he was going around the line and, you know, you're passing out communion. Yeah. He, you know how you act like you dropped something? He yeah. acted like he dropped something. He said, oh, here's your doily. I mean, he, he was cracking jokes. Because he was like, when we got up and had our little recap after service, he was like, yo, don't do that again. He said, I did not hire you for these old people. I hired you for young people. Let's see, but you don't understand. I don't, I, that I is don't care. a massive blessing. Even like you telling the story of your mom being like, we just getting you cheap jeans because you always doing something. Do you know how many people yep. don't have the mom that accommodates their weirdness? Like, a lot of sisters get that beat out of them, literally and figuratively. Uh, true. This, uh, this is what I bought, and this is what you wear. Yeah. Like, as children, this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm trying to make you the right kind of girl. You do not do this. You do not have... This is not it. And so by the time they get to that age, they would have already been like, no, I got, I got to do what everybody else wants me to do because this is the right way to do it. True. That's true. I, I, I think that was a combination of I was the only girl and I was the youngest. Yeah, that's not normal for so my girl. That's yeah, not normal my, at my all. Dad, my dad was pretty much thought everything <laughs> everything I did was rainbow anyway. Oh, so, goodness. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, oh, girl, so forth. I was. I won't even lie to anybody. I'm telling Nobody you, a lot of Anybody women, that knows me knows that's true. A lot of us did not get that. That it's okay that you kind of weird and you like to wear your own thing and do your own thing. That's cool. Most, most of us don't get that. And most of us don't get that because I don't think it hit me until like, it was years ago I was in the mall, like in the nice mall. And this white couple gets in the elevator with me and they had their little girl. And this child clearly looks like she got dressed in the dark. 
you know, she has like a long floral sort of number on and some red rain boots and, and, you know, this sunflower bag. She just, they look like they just let her wear whatever she wanted to. And it was hilarious because, you know, they look like they're from some sort of a tennis ad. You know, they've got their little kids on. They're very, you know, they look like money. This child wore what she wanted to wear. And it was funny to me. And then I thought to myself, if this family was black, would it be funny? Or would I have feelings about it? You would have been like, why did it let the baby come out looking like that? How come y'all out here dress nice and you let her wear what she wanted? You know what I mean? All of those thoughts. And I was like, let me check myself. Because our children deserve to wear rain boots with the sun shining too. If that's how they feel on a random Saturday Listen. afternoon. But a lot of times, our, you know, going back to your story of your mom letting you do what you wanted to to your jeans, a lot of moms wouldn't do that because what they're really saying is if I let you do what you want and express yourself, people are going to judge me and say, I'm not taking care of you and I can't afford to get you nice things and I'm doing things for myself. You know what I mean? Like there's so many layers in that superwoman thing that's affecting mom and grandma and grandchild all the way down because it's like I can't let you be a free bird people are going to say I'm not a good mom I agree with that because I know when Jay was little I at first was like just letting her hair go because she my daughter has never had a complex about her hair because we never do she she's never had pressed hair right and then um I cut my locks off so she could see you know our hair yeah um I didn't, I didn't want that. If she grows up and wants to wear weave, that's a business. But I don't want it to be like she feels like that she this has is the to only way it. woman yeah. is. Right. That's the only version of femininity she's aware of. Um, but then as I, I, I fell victim to the same thing when it started when we started getting into relationships. Mm. To the point where people say, well, do you ever think you'll get another one? I said, I, you know what? There are times when I think... I may have had a really good man along the way, but because I was so programmed that this is what all the things you had to go through to have a good relationship, I may have passed on him. Mm. Because there were rules. Mm. And, and I was seeing the all these the rules. Thing. Yeah. Correct. To the point where it overruled some, what I'm, I call now simple love. It exists. Mm. You love him, he love you. That's it. Period. So it, 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 there's just, there's so many layers. And we just, and like you said, the TV gives us so much. Um, our surroundings give us so much. The churches give us so much. You know, God, I, I, I will say this. I really have come to understand that God intends for me to keep my weird streak. Because okay. I, when I was working, cause, because he put me at a church where I could be. Yeah. And even now I'm back at my home church doing, they pretty much called me to just do what I like to do. I'm really on the remove me. Please remove. You know what? <laughs> kick me Let out. Let me sit home with my gift. I kick never scared out. to kick me out. Me and Jesus will be all right in my little <laughs> You know, that's kind of where I am. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and there are a lot of people will be like, you shouldn't be that way. Yes, for my sanity, I absolutely will. Because I have made many of you extremely happy for years. Because there's a sanity place. There's just a sanity place. Mm -hmm. And even then, I mean, and... Being that God keeps putting me in these positions like this, it reinforces the fact that I'm in the right place. Right. Because as you say, most people get that, that part gets trained out and God just won't seem to train it out of me. Mm. So, or even attempt, even when I choose to go in society's direction, 
somebody in that society will come and say, uh-uh, that's not what you're supposed to do, though. So let me ask this question, and, and you may or may not have an answer. How, how do we get free? Because we're talking about feeling like there's that superwoman complex, and you're bringing up some instances in which when you're younger, you had that fiery streak encouraged and enforced in you. I think a lot of women either had that discouraged from them, even in their religious oh, yeah. spaces or whatever. So how, if you're listening and you're like, oh, I do feel like I have a little bit of that and it's not helping me to have that. How do you suggest a sister get free of those 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 stereotypes? Okay, now I'm going to say this because I was real, real free and then I wasn't for a okay. lot of years. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then I had to fight to get out free. Mm. Then once I was free... I had to fight my mind so my body and the rest of me could accept that I was free. Yeah. That's about five years. Mm. Um, yeah, there's, there's a patience there. Mm. And the patience isn't even with the people. The patience is with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's with yourself. Because this is not an overnight thing. You don't become indoctrinated overnight. You become indoctrinated over time. Right. So just like a diet. You know, we got, look, like all of us being big in quarantine and not, we want to be skinny for Christmas. No, we may be skinny <laughs> by Christmas, but we won't be skinny. Uh, yeah. The same thing goes with trying to follow that fire. You have to, you, for one thing, you don't have to be willing for some people not to talk to you. Mm. Um, and you're going to have to acknowledge that you're going to be on an island because there's an island space in this. Yeah. Because you are stepping out of the norm. For real, you're going to have to be willing to be on the island. And you're going to have to be willing to face those, um, those what you think are just subliminal ideas. Mm-hmm. You have to write those things down and then acknowledge that they're real. Yeah. We put a lot of things in the hope basket or the if I ever could, I would basket. Yeah. Because we won't face it and just say, this is what is, I got to face this. Mm-hmm. Until you do that, you're stuck. Yeah. And a lot of people like to say, you got to find your why. Now, I have a daughter, so I had a reason to pull myself together because she cannot be walking around thinking she owes people. Mm. Come on. You know what I mean? They don't feed her. They don't clothe her. They don't do anything. And their ideas are going to tell her what to do. I think not. Yeah. She would not be doing that. But I can't tell her that and then live an oppressed life. Yeah. So my why was really clear at a point. But before I could get clear on that, because see, now she's a teenager, so that's a very clear observation. When she was little, I had to say to myself, and I know this is not right to live in this box for me. Yeah. I acknowledge I don't feel good today. I am smiling, but I'm so exhausted. Right. I acknowledge that I don't feel good in public, even though these are places that I should feel great. I don't feel good in them. I acknowledge, I acknowledge to the point where I don't really go to women's uh, conferences much. Listen. Or women empowerment things. I don't either, but that's a whole different thing. One, I'm empowered. That's one. But two, oftentimes when you go there, you get to see these perfect women who are going to tell you about being empowered. With no tools when they set you loose. Mm-hmm. After they take your $150 for the day. And tell you to buy their book. And tell you to buy the book. 
Yeah. So, and then I've had enough time to have enough of the uh, VIP lunches with people. Because see, when you're in the VIP room, you get to hear the real stories. <laughs> Girl, the- I'm going to tell you, I promise you, I feel like that's why God had me do the five years at the church. I believe very little of what I see. I appreciate it. I even, you know, complimented it when it looks good. It's great that it looks good. But until I know what, like I, like I say, until I know what's in your gumbo, I don't eat it. Hello. Hello. I do not eat it. So now, because I know, I mean, without knowing all of those things, what you cannot face, you will not fix. Mm. Facebook and IG have got people facing Facebook and IG ideas. Yeah. If you don't deal with the, but the God ideas that you get, that's the real thing. Women have to be willing to do that. And then they got to be willing to be alone for a while. That part you can't get around. Yeah. Yeah. You can't get around it. And a lot of people, the other thing social media does is give you like a false sense of connection. Yeah. And so there's a place where you're acting like you're connected with people and you don't really disconnect like you should. Mm. And they're going to have to do that. You can't fix it it's because your individuality is yours. You know what I'm saying? I can't be Shannon. You know, that's the, end of the fixing part or the getting your individual back, realizing what works for you. You have to be alone to figure that out. Yeah. And yeah. so, and and it's not to say that, like, if you're in a relationship, you can't find yourself while you're still in your relationship. You absolutely can. Alone but you is... absolutely are going to have to pick off those pieces that you know you're working on for you. Let me let me clarify, because I, I do want to say, you know, I think when we say you have to be alone sometimes, that doesn't necessarily mean that you will right. be single or unmarried or you'll lose the relationship that you have. I mean, unless that's something that God right. was saying you need no way. But sometimes when we say, okay, okay that you might sh- be. yeah, but when you are shifting your thought patterns, you won't relate to some people the same way anymore. Then that could be just Correct. your casual girlfriends or your homeboys. Y'all have always talked about this for comfort. Um, you've always gone to the club to do this thing. If you're shifting from that, what are y'all going to do? What do you have in common? And so that period of loneliness, it may not be a forceful, I hate you and we don't talk no more. But sometimes it means, oh, we don't have anything in common anymore. And so we're naturally not going to be talking all the time. So that will lend itself to your being by yourself more. Or even as, you know, if you're struggling or changing your faith or your belief system, you know, the church that you may have gone to and all your friends were there. And now you can't really sit and hear these sermons the same way. You're going to feel alone, even if you're still going to have your friends, there's going to be a period of time where you're sitting there in the room and there's a room full of people and you feel by yourself. So, and and that exactly. happens to all of us in different ways and different scenarios. That literal aloneness doesn't necessarily mean you got to cut everybody off. But sometimes if you are opening yourself up and you are shifting, you will feel an internal loneliness. And then you have the literal sense of if you are really trying to move away from that superwoman mindset and you're not doing everything for everybody somebody's going to get mad because they've been benefiting from your sacrifice. Exactly. And that new you doesn't work for them. That new you may not work for any of those people. Mm-hmm. But and that's probably going to be your family. It, it that's going to be your family the most, to be honest. Oh, listen here. <laughs> if, listen, 
you know, I'm, I'm even grateful. Like my mom's family, they're a little bit more regimented in my head, some of them. But I, I'm going to say over the years, I have worn them down. Mm-hmm. Because you know, once I got to college, you can't, you know how that is. Once yeah. you get free, you really can't put me, put me back in the box at right. that point. Um, Cause you know, we had everything from women shouldn't be preachers. Yeah. We had them. Yeah. That was amazing. I said, well, my salary show don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Cause I for show M1. <laughs> but that's and a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Nobody questions it's a whole it. Thing. Nobody asks you, well, what but did I'm God kidding. say to you? Nobody questions the origins mm-hmm. of that scripture or gets any deeper. They see it. They agree with it before they read it, to be honest with you. And they're going to enforce that it part. till the cows come home. And you don't get to live whatever life you already know is in your spirit because someone else in society has told you what to, what you should or should be allowed to. So. It's, 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 it's hard. It's a hard, it's a hard road, but it's a road. Mm. And I, being now on the other side of the road, I would have hated to have lived my whole life in that. Mm. That just would have been just, it, no, just no. All the, all the opportunities and time, like I have time to myself now. You know what I mean? Even at work, you, you there's a place too, and I say this millennial, to my millennial sisters and brothers. I feel like you all more than any other generation I know has been programmed to grind till you die. Ooh, call us out. You right. And I feel like many of y'all are going to die prematurely because of the grind. Ooh, listen, you right. Literally, there has to we be a have, place you can sleep you when you die mindset. Yeah, we've literally seen our shirts. Think mm-hmm. about the power in those words and the fact that that's actually a saying that's common. Yeah. I don't even think anybody thinks about the power of words. No, Just like I never not let anybody recently. tell me that I'm their ride or die. No, I am not. <laughs> Where are we going and why am I dying? <laughs> you sound like me. I never got with that phrase. Because in my mind, if you love me, you don't want me to die. You want me to be home and safe and protected. That part. So I was that never with that. Why would you want me, big strong man, to be riding and dying with you? Mm-hmm. There's a point where I set a pick on how much money I have to make. Now, sometimes, well, I exceed it a lot. But I stopped with I got to make it all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm able to do everything I need to do and then some. And that's enough. Yeah. People are always like, you know, you could you could do this, this, and this. Girl, poetic, you know, you could do this on the weekends and do that. I was like, and I see my daughter win. And my daughter and I are don't. virtual. We don't do stuff on, on Saturdays. It's, Saturdays are pajamas at my house. If you're coming over here and you want us to get dressed and, like, entertain you, don't come. Now, if you want to come on a family note because you're coming over to kick it, come. But ain't nobody getting dressed for you over here. Let me tell you, that's been the... The major revelation of my life this last year in particular, and, and, you know, especially before I moved to Orlando, I was going nonstop. Like I was always just out, always working and then caregiving at the same time. I slept very little and felt like that was a sign of my own productivity. My husband is the opposite. He is like, he believes in prioritizing rest and sleep and things like that. And so... 
you know, there'd be times like I will fall asleep and take a nap and I wake up and I'm like, oh no, I had this to do. I needed to do that. I shouldn't have fallen asleep. And so one day, like he literally was like, why do you hate naps? <laughs> he just said it like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what did a nap ever do to you? Yeah. He's just like, why do you hate naps? And I was like, I feel like there's so much that I should be working on. And, and it, you know, as I'm talking through it, I was like, I don't feel like I earned or deserve the rest. And hearing it come out of my mouth, I was like, oh, what's wrong with me? Like, is that normal? You know, and he's like, no, that's not normal. You don't have to earn a nap. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with you, lady? But it, it was just, it was like the deep, that deep realization in my mind, like, oh, I don't feel like I deserve rest. Like there's not enough that I have accomplished overall. And it's coming out in these small everyday activities that I'm not, I'm not willing to literally sleep because I don't feel like I've done enough to deserve rest or done enough of the right stuff or the productive stuff or, or the stuff that will increase movement in this direction. Like I'm not sleeping because I don't feel like I've earned it. See, and that's going back to superwoman because mm-hmm. you got all these things you have to do. Mm-hmm. With this, these people or whatever it is, whatever entity, more likely at this point in your head, telling you these things because that's been the rule for so long. Yeah. There's no why. Why are you resting? You you could be working on something. You could be building on something. You could be writing a song or doing a business plan or applying for work. Like why are you resting? And it. It seems, but now that we're talking about it, it seems so crazy, doesn't it? Why it's, are we resting? It sounded crazy. <laughs> Why are we resting? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until he asked me that, that I, I actually had to think through, like, why am I so averse to this? And I'm talking it through, and it just kind of came out. Like, oh, I have an issue. <laughs> like, it's not just okay. that. Okay, I, I, this is... Yeah, I'm hype as hell sometimes, and I do, you know have a lot of energy and I'm generally ready to go but it wasn't until I was talking it out that I realized like I had a deep programming issue okay and most and, and going back to what we had said before a lot of people don't have someone to check them mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. and so they keep cycling yeah and we and that's that absolutely it has to happen because you think about what we do with 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 the baby Babies got to sleep almost all day in order to grow properly. Yeah. And we make sure they get that sleep because they can't function yeah. really well without it. They're cranky. Yeah. Well, in God's eyes, everybody's a baby. <laughs> and y'all all cranky because ain't nobody getting enough sleep. You're right. We're all cranky. I've been very cranky. <laughs> That's the bottom line. We're cranky. We're all cranky. We can't even be happy. And it's amazing <laughs> how we get lost in that. Trina, I've enjoyed talking to you. This has been great. But I think this two shows, isn't it? Because this is like... I'm going to have to <laughs> cut and edit. I'm going to have to edit some stuff. Uh, do you have anything you want to share with my listeners before we go? I want to share with your listeners that in a time like this, it is now more important than any, more important than it's ever been, that men and women both you put on your oxygen mask and you make sure that you're self-sustaining before you try to take on the world or 
sustain everybody else. Yeah. That's what I want to leave with them. Thank you so much. How can the people reach you and find your work? Um, find my work. I am Poetis on IG. I would say as far as finding work. Go there and you'll get the most of everything. Um, I also have a YouTube of the same name. It's all kind of the same. They're all connected. So I-G-I-A-M-P-O-E-T-T-I-S. Poetis. Yep, that's it. And I'll have the link in the description box as always. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Have an awesome week. I want to thank you for listening to this week's episode. It was so meaty that I actually have a little bit of a part two because we started talking about uh, Lovecraft Country and it turned into a whole basically a whole new episode so keep your eyes open for the bonus that I'm going to be releasing um, all about Lovecraft Country for those of you that enjoy that show and I want to thank my guest Katrina the poetess for being a guest and being so willing to chat with me as always you can email me at cocktailcombo7 at gmail.com you can send me a voice memo and the link is in the description box and I would just love to hear from you. Please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with a friend. Now, normally I give you all music homework to listen to, but this week I'm giving you movie homework, tying in with our theme of letting go of being this black superwoman and finding yourself and rediscovering yourself in uh, you know whatever phase of life you're in. I want you to look up Netflix 40 year old version the 40 year old version. It is a comedy, it is weirdly a coming of age, a find yourself kind of movie, and it is really, really fun and funny. It stars uh, Rada Blank, who is pretty much a newcomer. She wrote it, she stars in it, she directs it, and it is really an amazing film, particularly for someone who has never done film before. Like it's, I suggest it to everyone. Um, and doubled overlapping in certain scenes. So watch, 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 watch the 40-year-old version. That's going to be it for this week. I love you, babes. Stay safe. Have a good one. Mwah.